Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. It's nice to see you guys. It's a good cold day for our Christmas sweater Sunday, and many of you are out in your festive. We'll just go best since that's going to be subjective, right? Um, But it's great to see you guys, and that means that you dug your way out of the snowpocalypse that we just had. Everybody made it out all right, and I don't know what your experience was going into that, but out at our house, uh, we have places in our yard that are straight bald. You wouldn't even know there was snow there, and then I've got places with five and six foot drifts that my kids are uh, snowboarding on sleds. I don't know if that's advisable, but they're going for it right now, and we're just having kind of the time of our life. But one of the things that has been part of my experience in um, just kind of my recovery from surgery is, man, I, I need help. And I don't know how you feel about situations like that. I don't know how you respond when you're in a place where you need assistance, but it's not necessarily a comfortable place to be. And as we weathered kind of our snowpocalypse blizzard, and as we got through all of that, I opened the front door to my house, and there was a five-foot drift in front of our front door. And as much as I tried to enlist the participation and the enthusiasm of my children, uh, sometimes their effort is less than helpful. I don't know if you found that out, parents. Even, even as you're saying, hey, Christmas is coming, just like, and dad's hurt, like you're pushing all the buttons, and they're like half-heartedly, they did some stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to throw them under the bus too far, uh, but it was going to be, uh, it was going to be out of reach for them. And it wasn't something that I could put myself too. And so I, I called help. Uh, I called, uh, I texted uh, uh, my friend Bud, and I just said, hey, can, can your kids come and help out? And he said, we'll, we'll be there in a heartbeat. And instead of just Blaine and Emmy showing up, Bud came too, their friend Ellie, and they piled out of the truck with shovels, and they start going straight to work. And Bud and his son Blaine cut a path through that five-foot snowdrift right up to my front door, because Amazon's got to make those deliveries, right, parents? Come on now, it's crunch time. It's, they, they cut all the way through up into that. We had a, a three-foot drift inside our chicken coop. They had to go ahead and make sure that that got handled. But they came in with enthusiasm, and that gave my kids a shot in the arm, and we got things kind of taken care of. But honestly, it was, it was hard. It was hard to sit in my home and watch through the window People having to meet a need that I had that I couldn't meet for myself, that I was comfortable and more than capable of just a few weeks ago doing on my own. And it's, it's honestly, it can be difficult for us to be found in a place of need where we need assistance, where we have to depend on others. Um, it can be difficult for us to know how to ask it can be difficult for us to receive it. I don't know if you've found that to be true for yourself, but I've found that oftentimes, especially in the church, we're far more comfortable uh, taking care of ourselves. And then if we have to, we're more prone to offer our assistance to others than we are to say, hey, we need help. There's, there's something in us that is sometimes off when it comes to that. And we can, we can struggle at acknowledging our need. And what I want to suggest to you this morning before we move forward is just this, that if, if you and I were truthful in this moment, 
we all are dealing with varying degree of need in our life. Like some of those things are going to be, um, you know, uh, um, things that are uh, heavy and maybe soul-crushing in this moment. Some of these things are going to be the benign details of your life, like clearing snow and you just can't get it done anymore. But we all have varying degrees uh, of neediness. And we have a choice to make when we are presented with that truth. We have a choice to make when we're presented with, with that truth. And what's true of just kind of the minuscule details of your life is true of kind of the meta narrative of the world is that there is great need both in us as individuals and in our world as a whole and we have at the core of that a deep need of God's love to move on our behalf and as kind of our anchor verse and our anchor idea of this idea that that Jesus came for all that God has come for all has been John three sixteen, and we're going to read that but I'm going to add verse 17 to that and it says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that God's love for you and I, that his, his motivational love for you and I was such that he gave of himself, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And at the heart of this love of God, at the heart of God's love for you and I, and this motivation to come and to interrupt human history and to be present and to be personal and to make a difference. Oftentimes we we think of it in terms of that statement of kind of eternal life and this idea of being saved. But at the heart of that, what God was coming to do was address the neediness of the world. Our need for salvation, our need for his presence, um, our, our need for him to be active and at work in our personal lives, that there was this uh, move of God to address those things. And it begins with like this proclamation of announcement that Jesus is coming. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the two birth announcements, one in the book of Luke and one in the, birth, the, the book of Matthew. And we're going to see that at the heart of that declaration that Jesus was coming, that heart of the declaration that the Messiah was going to enter into the world, was God's answer for the needs that you have in your life. And they come with two really big, bold proclamations and two invitations for you to experience God in a very practical and personal way. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and get that out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, I want to invite you to go ahead and open up your Bible app. And if you'd like to get a head start, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 in just a moment. But Lord, we quiet our hearts before you and we prepare them. Lord, that old uh, Christmas carol says, let every heart prepare him room. Lord, we prepare you room in our hearts today to speak through your spirit, to challenge us through your word. Lord, to be present and personal. Lord, to make a difference. So Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear how you would interrupt this morning in a way that draws us close to you and the hope that we have in Jesus and the invitation that we have to experience you for ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So with your Bibles open, you can go ahead, or Bibles out, you can go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 1. And before we get to that, in the, in the birth announcements, there's one both to Mary and to Joseph. 
which is a pretty good thing to do when you've got kind of an unplanned <laughs> event going on, making sure that everybody's kind of on the same page. But there's a birth announcement to both Mary and to Joseph. They're both divine, and they're both uh, um, propagated by angels. Uh, one, as an angel comes uh, and um, in kind of a physical conversation, and then one, as an angel comes in a dream. And in both of those, the, the proclamation of the announcement brings an intention to address the need of this divine interruption. And what's going to happen is there's going to be this interruption in their singular lives, right? Mary's life is going to be completely changed by this announcement. The same is true for Joseph. Both of those things are true, that in their singularity, their lives are going to be absolutely turned upside down. But the announcement that is being made to them as individuals is going to resonate forth to all of creation. That this wasn't something that was just an announcement of this is what's going to happen in your life, but this is what's going to happen in the world as a result of what is going to happen in your life. And so in Luke chapter 1 verses 30 to 33, what we're going to start with is we're going to start with uh, the angel speaking to Mary. And there are so many other things that you can look at in this conversation and in this passage. And I would encourage you maybe on your own to read through the Christmas narratives, maybe as just part of your own celebration this year. You could be focusing on the immaculate, uh, miraculous conception. You could be looking at the idea of the, the Holy Spirit being present and active. You can look at the way that fear is spoken to or the plans and purposes that God has for somebody's life. There's so many different ways that you can begin to unpack this and apply it to your own life. But the announcement itself, I think, is deeply significant to God's intention for your life. And so the angel said to her, verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. And what's interesting in this passage is like the, the greater detail is given to the intention of Jesus's entrance into human history and not as much surrounding the actual details of what was probably the most important part to Mary and that this, this was going to happen to her and her whole life was going to be disrupted as a result of it. The very first part is just like, hey, don't be afraid about this. Like God's got this and don't be mistaken. You have favor. Right? All the things that when our world and our lives are disrupted by things that are unexpected, we have a tendency to doubt, and we have a tendency to, to wonder if God is even for us. Like He speaks to those things that are natural ways that we often deal with the unexpected in our lives. But he spends more time talking about what is going to be the result of Jesus' coming. You're going to give birth to a son, you're going to name him Jesus, but then he spends the next two several sentences talking about a specific theme. And I don't know if you caught this, but all of the language is kingdom language. All of the language is kingdom language. He's going to be great. He's going to be son of the most high. God's going to give him the throne of his father, David. He's going to reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And then this, this summation of really the whole event, his kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. It's, it's kingdom language that's being declared here. And what you find is that not just did Jesus come to, to, to reconcile the world in a sense. That's part of that. 
This idea that in our series that he came for all. Last week, Pastor Tom's message was awesome. If you weren't here present or if you didn't, haven't had a chance to watch it online, I would highly encourage you to listen to that message focused on the idea that as an outcast and as kind of the maligned, that Jesus came for everybody, that nobody's left out, that everybody is welcome, is pursued, everybody's extended an invitation to salvation and newness of life and significant participation in the things of the kingdom of God. All of those things kind of being true, this idea that he came for all, but in this announcement from the angel to Mary, what you have is you have kingdom language, and this is what is being supposed, that Jesus came that everyone might experience the kingdom of God for themselves. That they would experience the kingdom of God for themselves. So much more than just a moment of peace or tranquility. So much more than just a sense of purpose or maybe some direction for your life. So, yes, all of that and more. That you would experience the fullness of the kingdom of God for yourself. And that this announcement and that this uh, event in the timeline of history begins the reestablishment of the kingdom of God in creation that was lost in the Garden of Eden. It's an announcement that all of what has gone wrong is now going to be addressed and turned, moving and marching towards what is now right until ultimately everything is realigned fully at the second coming of Christ and the new heavens and the new... It's, it's language that says, hey, now everything is different. The way that you've lived, you can live different now. You've suffered under the kingdom of this world. You've lived in the kingdom of self. You've suffered under all of those tyrants. But now you can belong to the kingdom of God and you can walk as an heir and a citizen into that. All of that is part of this announcement that we would experience the kingdom of God and be restored as citizens in that kingdom. And this is, I think, something that's significant because when Jesus begins his ministry, I don't know if you remember this, but as Jesus begins his ministry, the proclamation, the announcement, when he went out and began to preach, and the Gospels record this, is that he would go out and he would say, repent, change the way that you're living, change the way that you're thinking, change the way that you understand things to be because there's this new kingdom that's available. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is now or the kingdom of God is now at hand. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all use this language. The kingdom of God is now. It's in your face. It's not something that you have to long for anymore, that it's available today. The, the rule and reign, the righteous presence and work of God in human personal context is now available. That was the beginning of his message, and that was the proclamation at the very beginning of his, the announcement of his birth. So before he even arrived, before he even shows up in the manger, right? And we get to celebrate that, and it, it's significant. But before that even happens, God is saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm coming. I'm stepping in, and it's something that you can experience for yourself. And so is it any wonder that later on as Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11, a couple different occasions the Gospels actually record these conversations where they say, hey, uh, teach us how to pray. And you have a couple of variations of what we would just call liturgically as like the Lord's Prayer. But in the middle of that, we focused on that. Your kingdom come. Jesus was all about the kingdom of God being present. Your will be 
done. The kingdom rule and reign of God is the will of God at work and at move in his creation. And then that cry, that longing on earth as it is in heaven. This heaven on earth desire for us to experience the things of God the way that he originally intended them to be and not the way that we typically experience those. And so that announcement was really, he came for all. He came for all to have an opportunity to experience the kingdom of God in their present personal lives. And that announcement is made there. And you see that kind of ripple out through his ministry. And I find it really interesting, right? So in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, you should pray this way, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We see Jesus pray like that in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Is there another plan? But even if there's not, God, not my will, but yours be done. So, so we see him demonstrate that. But do you know who, who in, in, in the narratives, do you know who the first person to pray that prayer was? Something similar or likened to that? It was Mary in this conversation. As the, as the angel comes and says, this is what's gonna happen, and she does ask a follow-up question, uh, how can that be? Because I haven't participated in any of that activity up to this point. And he said, hey, God's going God's to handle the details. But after that one follow-up question and that assurance that God was at the heart of what was being spoken, in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, this was Mary's response to this. And I don't know if this would be my response. I don't know if this would be your response to something as fantastic as this from an angelic host bringing that message. But her response is this, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know what that type of statement is? That's, that's not my will, but yours be done. That your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. See, the other day I had the Farquhars come to my rescue. Right? They came and they dug a path for my Amazon packages to come right up to the front door. But Jesus is coming. Okay, Jesus came that you would experience the kingdom of God. So, and, and, and that's so much more than just rescue. See, I think sometimes we have little understanding of what it means to be a part of God's kingdom. We think of it in, in too simplistic of a terms. We, we, want, we want to get healed. Yes, but and. You know, we want to be delivered. Yes, but, but and. We want to be forgiven. We want to be redeemed. Y yes, and. See, the kingdom of heaven the way that God has intended it to be is available now. And it's hard for us to kind of wrap our heads around this because there's a now and not yet quality to this. If you were somebody who went to Bible college, if you went to seminary, if you started doing systematic theology, you would bump into this type of a language because there's uh, a lot of dichotomy in Scripture where it's like, yes, yes. It's two yeses, but they seem to be in kind of opposition to one another. So even in Paul's stuff, he would say that you are perfect in Christ Jesus, that you are made perfect, but then he would use language later that says you're being made perfect. And it's like, yes, you're made perfect in Christ as you receive salvation, but you still are kind of working that out in your day-to-day -day life, aren't you? It's that yes and yes. It's yes now, yes 
later and kind of dealing with the tension of that. And the, the kingdom of God is in, in, in many ways that way for us. There's parts where we experience just this divine move and power of God. And then there's times where we have a lot of questions for hard things going on in our lives. And one doesn't negate the other. We're in the in-between space where yes and. Yes and. And God's rule and reign, the, the, the idea of the kingdom of God, it's his rule and reign. It's the righting of the wrong. It's kind of the great reversal. It's redemption. It's reconciliation. Uh, in, in creation. Uh, but one of the metaphors that Paul uses a lot to talk about what it means for you and I to be a part of God's kingdom is to be a citizen of his kingdom. Have you ever bumped into that? Have you, do, you, do you remember any verses like that? He'll use language that we're a son and a daughter, that we're an heir. And then he moves into this idea of citizenship. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, he says that our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, life is still pretty hard. Like, life can still be pretty challenging. As we were walking through my injury and kind of moving towards possibly a surgery date, we were praying for a miracle. We were contending for that. I fully believe God can and will do that. And at the same time, I still had surgery. So how, how do you wrestle those things out? See, there's still brokenness in this world. There's still challenges for us. And here's why it's still hard to be on this side of heaven. You don't belong here anymore. If you've received Christ, you don't fit here anymore. Even some of the old things that you used to run to, that used to have a lot of pleasure and joy in them, you give your heart to Jesus, and all of a sudden those things are, are seen even more as a facade and just ash in the wind. Some of you have probably had problems in relationships and in your job and employment because of your faith. It was like, man, I seem to be, everything was easy before I got saved. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Some things feel like that. Why? Because of that now and that not yet. Because of that yearning for what is ours, but we don't necessarily fit there. Paul, in his language, this idea, he would say, hey, you're not citizens of this world anymore but you can experience a piece of home. See, one of the things that I've found in, in some of our missions and our travelings and things like that, any missionary who's long-term, or if you have ever uh, interacted with somebody who's an immigrant family from somewhere else uh, to, to our country, one of the things that you'll find is that if, if they're going to be in that place for a prolonged period of time, they want to bring a little piece of home with them. They want to bring a little piece of home with You yearn for that. In fact, we're doing, uh, you know, we're doing this campaign for our missionaries in Thailand where we're doing the Bible speakers and we've raised about $500 towards that $1,500. we are well on our way and God's going to use that to, to, um, to change people's lives over there. But did you know that several years ago we did a different campaign at Christmas for our Thailand missionaries, particularly for Aaron? I took a rolly wheel on my next missions trip with Aaron and it was full of fruit roll-ups. A full rolly wheel. Anybody remember that? We're doing a Bible speaker campaign. We did a fruit roll-up campaign. Why? Because he was deployed over in Thailand. I'm like, hey, what do you need? What do you need? He's like, they don't have fruit roll-ups over here. Like he was like going through his culture shock. He needed fruit roll-ups. Strawberry particularly. I've got a picture still on my phone with him with a pile of fruit roll-ups. We opened all the boxes and piled it on him like a stuffed animal pile. It was just him with fruit roll-ups. Because he wanted a little piece of home with him. That, that's what happens to you and I when we get a taste of the kingdom of God. Man, we want more and more of home. And that's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
on earth as it is in heaven, that we are, are moving towards that. But there's another proclamation that takes place. There's another proclamation or announcement that takes place with Joseph. And it's the key to the citizenship. Did you know that you become a citizen of God's kingdom by receiving salvation? See, I've got friends who have gone through the immigration process and they've had to go through years of jumping through hoops and filling out paperwork. They've had to go through all of the proper steps and at the end they have to take a test and they have to swear in. They have to do all of the things. I think it's good. I think it's helpful. It's admirable. And I've, I've been able to applaud my friends who have made that effort and have gone through all of those stages. But did you know that you don't have to pass a test to get into the kingdom of God? You don't have to pay your dues. You don't, have to, you don't have to do all of the paperwork. You just say yes to Jesus. You receive salvation. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, you can read this chapter on your own, but particularly verse 4, 8, 13, 19, all talk about the way that our citizenship has shifted because of our salvation that is assured in Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 1, the birth announcement to Joseph the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In the angelic announcement to Mary is the proclamation that he came that everyone would experience the kingdom of God. And in the proclamation to Joseph is the intention that everyone would have an invitation to experience salvation. That when Jesus came for all, it was more than just to come and to kind of be in our mess with us. It was more than to be just Emmanuel, God, with us. It was to address our great need for salvation and the kingdom of God. And if you kind of unpack this idea of salvation, we have limited it. We have, have minimized it to this idea of like going to hell, not going to hell. And that's it's yes, but it's and so much more. The idea of salvation in Scripture encompasses redemption, reconciliation, restoration. It encompasses this idea of rescue and being saved from, but also being saved to. That you are saved from sin and brokenness and the condemnation that comes with that, but you are saved to purpose and fruitfulness and participation in the things of the kingdom of God. And there's a part of this understanding of salvation, and Jesus uses this often when he's doing a divine healing, where it talks about the idea of being saved in the sense of being healed and whole, that all your parts are set back in proper place. And this is what Jesus is inferring in John chapter 10, 10, when he says, I have come that you would have life and that you would have it to the full. See, oftentimes our concept of eternal life is that someday I'm going to have that. But a better understanding of that phraseology, especially in the Greek, is not eternal life or life eternally, 
But life everlasting is a better understanding of the way that those things are to be understood. That life isn't someday going to happen to you. Life can happen today and then it endures into eternity. That there's a now but maybe not yet in full but someday all in full that you move into. And so we begin to experience the things of the kingdom of God and walk into our wholeness and our salvation in a way because Jesus has already made the announcement that it is at hand. It's today. It's today. And one last little thought before we move towards closing. And I don't know if, I don't know if, you've, if you know this. In both of the announcements, the angel is very specific about what his name is supposed to be. To Mary, you're going to name him Jesus. To Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus. It's good for parents to be on the same page when you're naming stuff, right? <laughs> right? Some of you are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Very specific. In one of those passages, parenthetically, it would give you this little nugget, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but the name Jesus is the Greek rendering of the Hebrew name Joshua. And the reason why that's significant is that that name, that word, means the Lord saves. See, before Jesus was born, he was the Lord who saves. Before he was ever incarnate in the flesh, he was always going to be the Lord who saves. At the declaration, before this is even happening, Right? Mary gets the heads up and then Joseph gets his along the lines after Mary's starting to show and he's scratching his head wondering what's going on. His name was to be Jesus. Did you know that every time you sing the name Jesus, you declare that the Lord saves? Every time you speak the name Jesus, you're declaring that the Lord saves. Every time you sit in the dark and you sob in despair and it's the only word that you can get out because you don't know what to pray or even how to all go on, you are in faith declaring, man, the Lord saves. So significant. So significant. And that his entrance brings an invitation for you and I to ex experience the kingdom of God for ourselves by very simply just receiving salvation. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, church family, worship team, if you would come forward. It can be a challenge to be in a place where you have needs. It can be uncomfortable. It can be difficult. It could be something that causes despair. It be can become something that starts to, to change our self-perception to a way that we move from uh, being needy to becoming kind of takers. It's really interesting how that can happen in our brokenness as people. Most of us at times, if we're honest, we've looked to our own strength 
to address those things in our lives. We've gone to our own cunning, our own resources, our own ability. We look to address our needs for ourselves or we look to pretend like they don't exist. And you may not be in a place where you have really any great need this morning, but I would just say, just keep living, <laughs> right? You, we bump into neediness. And what I wanna encourage you with this morning is to acknowledge that need before Jesus. Whatever that would be. That might be something like physical in your person, a need for healing in your actual physical body. That might be something in just kind of your mental and emotional state. You need the Lord to move. You may have other physical needs, just like finances, resources, utilities. You have practical needs like that. You may have some deep, heavy things going on in your heart and your mind. You may be battling addictions. You may have a relationship that's fallen apart or something that you've given up on. You may have places in, of need in your life that you haven't acknowledged to even yourself yet. You've just been reluctant to even say that that's a need because you're still just kind of going to get it done. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment and I want to posit you this thought. Would you be willing to take a step today to acknowledge your need to Jesus? Lord, we put our hands out in front of you just as a way of acknowledging that there are things in our lives that we have need of you in. Lord, places where we need to experience your kingdom. Lord, places where we need to experience your salvation. Lord, places that we need to walk in faith. Lord, places that we need to respond in repentance. Lord, places of, of deep need in our lives. And Lord, we acknowledge it to you today first. Before we go anywhere else, we acknowledge it to you. And, and Jesus, we ask that you would move in this place. That even as the announcement of your birth came with a declaration that the kingdom of God was coming, at the announcement of your birth, that you were coming to bring salvation. The Old Testament would say that you have come with healing in your wings. Lord, we just present our needs before you. And some of these things are, are, are deep. They're heart wounds, deep offense, bitterness and despair. But some of these things are in our physical bodies, ailments and brokenness. Or some of these things are mental and emotional. We're, we're, we're plagued by, by grief, regret. Lord, there are so much. And Lord, we take an opportunity today to just say, hey, we, we need you, Jesus. Lord, to call out to you, and even in speaking your name, to declare that you are the one who saves, that you are the one who comes to rescue. And Lord, in faith, we receive that today. In joy, in hope, we receive that today. Lord, make this our common practice, that we would be honest with you about our need for you, and that we would be open to inviting you to make that difference in us. 
And Lord, as that begins to happen in our lives, may we extend that hope and that invitation to others that they would know you, that they would know you and experience your kingdom for themselves, that we would see heaven on earth in Northeast Colorado in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, I got a few action steps for you. It's going to kind of follow up our response from today. Just want to encourage you to maybe make this part of your common prayer discipline. But one is just be willing to acknowledge your need to Jesus. Whenever you bump into that, whenever you're reminded of that, just be honest with the Lord about that. Invite His saving grace to intervene and make a difference in that place. And then begin to live out heaven on earth as citizens of God's kingdom. Walk in participating with Him in those things.